Welcome back to Inside College Admissions, a podcast presented by SCORE. I'm Elena, and I'm here with college expert and former Dean of Admissions, Peter Van Buskirk. As part of our Family Bootcamp mini-series, we're breaking down big college planning topics into five digestible episodes for the whole family to listen to, but especially for our parents or guardians out there who are looking to learn more about how to support their student. Our goal with this mini-series is for supporters to feel empowered with knowledge and more ready to take on this process. In our last episode, we kicked off the series with keys to getting started with college planning, going over the basics of what this process looks like, common terms you may have heard, and mistakes to avoid. So definitely go on back and take a listen. Today's episode is about course selections and how your student can strategically plan their junior and senior year courses in a way that will put them in a great position when applying to colleges. We'll talk about which year is the most important year of high school, how IB, AP, and honors classes come into the mix, and how your students can select classes that will help them level up their academic record. Let's get started. Now, for anyone who's just tuning in, Peter has worked in college admissions for more than 27 years at two different institutions, and he's been a dean of admissions, even worked in the provost office and been an athletic director for a number of years, too. So he's bringing his college admissions experience to students today through his organization, Best College Fit, and through our podcast with our topic today. So welcome, Peter, and thank you so much again for joining. Hey, Elena, how's everything? Everything's great. (laughs) How are you? I'm doing well. So let's talk about course selection. Cool. Late winter, early spring of the year is a time when courses are being selected for the next year. And Mm -hmm. and for the first two years of high school, students are following a a general tracking that's been attributed to them based on achievement tests they've taken in middle school and early high school. But once they get to the junior year and then the senior year of high school, they have more flexibility in choosing courses in the curriculum to accelerate their development, to look at uh, different interest electives, et cetera. So for students who are college bound, this course selection process is really, really important, especially heading into the senior year. Junior is important too, but uh, the senior year. And and uh, the, the reason I, I would say that is when admission officers look at the student's academic record or the application in general, the very first question they're going to ask is, can this student do the work at our school? Mm-hmm. And the good news is most students applying to most schools in the country have pre-selected themselves into academic programs in the admission process where if given the chance they can be successful. So mm-hmm. it shouldn't be a big deal. But nonetheless, admission officers want to see the academic record to determine not only can the student do the work, but what is the student's orientation? How is the student responding to opportunities to, to learn and grow rather than simply kind of following by rote through the, the high school experience? So, uh, you know, can you do the work? How well are you doing the work? And, uh, you know, I think that in general, course selection should be considered within the concept of tracking. Uh, mm-hmm. Students find themselves in, in an academic track in any of the disciplines. They move to the next logical level of rigor each year. And uh, that's that's what we're going to talk about today. Absolutely. Yeah. In college, it's really laid out for you, that academic track. Your freshman year, you take this. And then your sophomore year, you take the next course. But in high school, you kind of have free reign sometimes to choose those classes. And there can be some really important selections that you can make that could help you. Or or could hurt you, depending on how well you choose. And again, a lot of it has to do with the selectivity of the school. And here's a good rule of thumb. The harder it is to get into a college or university, the more selective the school, the more important those choices become. Mm-hmm. 
and, and and I would argue that that the harder it is to get into a school, the more important the student's senior year course selection and performance in the senior year will be as the number one factor, number one factor in determining admission. Wow, number flies, one. It flies against the grain because a lot of times students feel like, well, I got to the end of the junior year. It was the hardest. Everybody says, I don't have to worry about anything. Colleges don't look at the senior year. Depends on how hard it is to get in. At schools that are not so selective, not a big deal. But you want to go to places that are hard to get into, you better stay focused and make sure your senior year is the, the most important year. Wow. I, I didn't know that, that that can sometimes be the number one Absolutely. thing. So senior year is, of course, important. Would you say that's the most important academic year of high school? Well, it depends on where you are. You know, if, if you're a freshman, guess what year is the most important year? The year you're in. Because you, what you're doing with each year in high school is you're establishing a foundation for the next year. Mm -hmm. Conversely, if, if you're not doing well in the year you're in, you're digging a hole for yourself, which means that in order to make good progress in subsequent years, you have to first get out of the hole. So yeah, take care of business where you are so that you can create a better opportunity for yourself in the next year. But at, at the end of the day, you don't want to get to the end of the junior year and let out this deep sigh of relief and feel like, oh, wow, you know, I don't have to worry about anything because colleges, yes, colleges do see it. Yep. <laughs> so I think, yes, junior year is a big year and you want to tackle it with gusto and, and have as much success as you can. But the senior year then is going to be ultimately, and here's why, admission officers at the very selective schools are looking for reasons to say no. I mean, mm -hmm. behind closed doors, people joke about this being uh, not an admission process, but a rejection process. And yeah. for the little things that make the difference. So when a student is tracked to take the language at the highest level in the senior year, but doesn't take it, the admission officer is saying, what's going on here? Why don't you have that language? The student doesn't continue to advance through the, 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 the normal tracking, the natural learning path for the student. In any other discipline, if the student kind of uh, takes a, a lesser elective, the institution says, she's not that focused. She's not, right. you know, not, not the kind of student we want. Yeah. And I think that's something that students and parents or guardians alike might think is, do admissions officers really look at the senior year? But it sounds like, yes, they do. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and quite often when students apply for admission, the very first thing that an admission officer will see on behalf of the student is not anything that's literally part of the submission, but it will be a distillation, maybe a one-page data summary sheet that reflects the key information from 18 to 20 pages of the student's application. So it's a one-pager that I see, first of all. And Oftentimes on that data summary sheet will be the senior year courses and grades. Wow. Not junior year, not sophomore year, not for that. That's all part of the application. I can find it later, but it's the senior year that is, is uh, going to be the first thing up. Yeah. I remember that being sort of a, I don't know, a legend in my school, I guess that when students started to feel senioritis, that would come creeping back and we would say, uh, -uh. Remember, like this does matter and they're going to see this. So it was a bit of a fear factor, but it did um, drive me to focus yeah. more. <laughs> and it's, it's good because again, right now we're, we're talking about taking the courses. And when we talk then about the actual performance, the senioritis thing can set in. 
what, what you need to know is if your student is applying to a very selective school and the student gets into November, December, even January, the senior year, and it's really starting to hit them that they're going to be graduating soon and colleges aren't looking at this, et cetera, et cetera. If they gain admission based on a record that looks good through December, the first half of the senior year, mm-hmm. and then they really tank it for the second half of the year, they're in real jeopardy. Because selective schools, I I did it myself. I would send letters to students who had been accepted and enrolled. I would send the letters after graduation in July when I see the final grades. And the assumption is if you show up with final grades that are measurably different than the grades that earned you acceptance, you're out. Wow. Out. And that it happens every year at very selective schools for students who don't take seriously the importance of finishing well. Yeah. Wow. On the note of performance, when it comes to selecting a course, is it better to recommend that your student takes a course where they're more likely to get an A or a course that might be more difficult where they might get a B? Great question. I I hear it all the time. And when I reflect the question back to students and parents, parents are going to start to say, well, my kid can do the harder course kind of thing. You know, there's a sense of pride. Well, I have a three-part answer. Mm-hmm. that I think can be useful to students wherever they are in terms of the, the rigor or challenge of a program. When it comes to course selection, number one, you always want to take the course that makes sense to you in that discipline, given your ability and your preparation. And by mm-hmm. that, I mean, it represents the next logical step up. You had in your your sophomore year, French two, French three is the next step, right? Or you had pre-calculus in the junior year, the next step is calculus. You know what that next logical step is. So you, you might not like to take it, but you know what it is. Number one, you take the course that makes sense. Once yeah. you've made that declaration, number two, you want to commit yourself to doing as well as you can. Mm-hmm. And this is where it gets in a little interesting because... The students oftentimes rationalize performance. They'll say, well, it wasn't my favorite. I, I was never that good at it. I got to be minus. That's good enough, right? My point to the student is this. If you should ever find those words passing through your mind or over your lips, you're surrendering. You're mm. surrendering. And in this college admission process, surrender doesn't work very well, especially at colleges that are picky. They want right. to see that you take the challenge and you you suck it up and you do as well as you can. Right. Then number three, once you've done the first two things, choose courses that make sense, do as well as you can, then target institutions that will value you for what you've done. Mm -hmm. It may not be your dream school, but there'll be schools that can become your dream schools. They will see your body of work academically and they'll say, you're ready for us. We're, We're psyched about this. Yeah. If you follow that basic formula, you're going to be fine. Courses that make sense, do as well as you can target schools that value you for what you've done. That's really, really great advice. And I think it's easy for parents or supporters or students themselves to get lost in, well, I should take the most difficult course. I should take the highest level, but it is about taking that next level. You might not have to go to the most difficult level because if you do, and that's not what the next progression level is, it might set you up for failure. Well, and, and we have to be careful that we don't allow our kids to to watch what their friends are doing, because what might make sense for their friends isn't going to make sense for them. Either finding more challenge, or sometimes your friends are going to take a lot of easy courses, and you think, well, they're not working that hard. Why do I have to work that hard? Yeah. What makes sense to you? Absolutely. 
Mm -hmm. So when it comes to, I know you mentioned language classes and things like that. What if a student has satisfied their graduation requirement in certain disciplines by the end of junior year and wants to take some electives? Is that something you would recommend? I think it depends. It depends. Again, we're going to talk about selectivity. At the colleges that are harder to get into, the first thing you have to do is get in. Because mm-hmm. sometimes students begin to rationalize, well, I want to take psychology because it's going to help me with psychology in college. No, it isn't. I'm sorry, it isn't. Mm. Uh, with all due respect to the teachers who teach psychology in high school, the professors who teach psychology in college say it's, it's just a different animal altogether. Mm-hmm. So if you're looking at schools that are selective, your first objective needs to be to get in. If you're looking at schools that aren't that selective, okay, and you want to kind of play around and learn what you can about a discipline, that's fine. But again, what you want to do is continue to push yourself to learn at the next logical level of rigor. Now, here's a reason why I say this. When when you decide to back off in terms of challenge, if you're normally pushing yourself at a certain level of rigor, and I don't by that I don't mean you have all honors and AP, but for you, if your natural learning path takes you to a certain point, and then you instead of continuing to move to the next level of rigor on that that learning path and you move sort of make a lateral move you're taking some time off uh, you're not pushing. right so that means that you're going to go from the rigor of a junior year is repeated itself in the senior year which means the leap into college is going to be harder right if you've taken time off in terms of challenging yourself in the senior year of high school it means that you're going to have a ruder awakening when you get to college it's, it's mm-hmm. kind of like playing a sport and and you've been playing the sport for the last four years and you decide eh, i'm not going to play this year but then you're going to go to college and you're going to go out for the team you might have all the skill mm-hmm. you've lost your edge you've lost yeah. your edge. so i i think it's really important to, to kind of stay focused on continuing that that personal development with all the academic programs it's most important that you position yourself with your academic work to compete for admission and let your major take care of itself when you get to college. That's that's great advice. And I like what you said about sports studying and the act of studying. I think once I got to college, I realized is a skill that needs to be practiced. And I noticed that by keeping up my studying and practice my studying junior and senior year, college wasn't so much of a a scary adjustment in terms of studying, because if you flex that muscle and you continue to flex it all throughout high school, once you get to college, you know. Absolutely right. That's great. Yeah. So in terms of picking those classes, especially when it comes to senior year, what kinds of classes should parents or guardians advise their student to take to benefit themselves in college? Well, again, moving to the next logical level of rigor is important, but, but let's think about it in a slightly different way. In college, the students are going to be expected to engage in more critical thinking and analysis. Mm-hmm. So the courses in the senior year should be preparing them that way. And, and again, they're going to be challenging courses. Not, there's not a lot of fluff in critical thinking. Yeah. So I think it's you find that especially in the, the social sciences and the humanities, you push yourself more there. I, I would say, though, that if a student gets to the, the point of exhausting a curriculum in a particular discipline, there's no more language to take, for example. Mm-hmm. the senior year. Uh, what do you do? Well, you can, a number of things you can do. You can take a, a, an online course in that language that would provide greater rigor. You could, if you have access to a program, an academic program at a local college, you can do, do that if it's amenable to your high school. Now, there's one course that I do want to commend to students. Many high schools offer statistics. Mm. Um, 
what I've discovered, and I've discovered this in talking with college professors, and across the board, they say that statistics is one of the most utilitarian skill sets for students to bring into college, because in almost every discipline, you're going to deal with some sort of research studies, research analysis, statistics. And if you have the fundamentals of statistics coming into college, you help yourself an awful lot because that's otherwise it's a, a pretty rigorous course to, to have to learn fresh in college. So those are the kinds of things you might keep in mind. That's a great recommendation. Statistics is one of those that I don't often hear as a recommendation to parents or guardians or students as something to take. Usually I hear calculus, something that can get you out of the math requirement in college, things like that. But statistics is a great one. And honestly, I took AP statistics in high school. And when I had to take a statistics class in college, drawing on that direct experience really, really helped. And I think it would have been a lot harder to learn had I not had that background. Well, and you just said something else I want to just pick up on real quickly. And you said taking courses in high school that might lessen some of the requirements you have in college or make it easier to get to certain programs in college. You need to make sure you check with the colleges themselves to see what credits are likely to be conveyed for courses you've done in high school. Even advanced placement courses taken with reasonably high advanced placement scores don't mm -hmm. always get you an advancement in course selections in, in some college or university campuses. So what you need to do is focus on doing what you need to do to compete for admission. Yep, <laughs> definitely. And I know that you you touched on this a bit with the psychology class example, if, if that's what you want to study in college. How important is it for a student to take courses that relate to what they want to study in college? Not so important as you might mm -hmm. think. Now, again, at schools, colleges are not so selective and they're not going to be very discriminating about candidates. Okay. But the reality is that if you want to, following up on psychology, if you want to be a successful psychology student in college, it's probably more important that you have advanced levels of math and physics. It Interesting. Psychology. So again, there, there are a lot of misconceptions about how things connect from high school to college. And mm -hmm. uh, again, it's more important, I think, to develop, as, as I say, the basic skill sets. I, I was stunned because I'm I'm more of a social science guy myself, but I was stunned to learn the degree to which students need to, to get involved with hard sciences when they get into psychology. I, I never knew that. Yeah. But yeah, it definitely does sound like preparing for a major or worrying about a major is a college thing, not so much a preparing in high school thing. I think that's right. And, and that's not to take away from the notion that, that there are a lot of students who have a pretty clear sense of what they want to do in college. That's fine. But if, if you're going to choose courses that you think will help you in college, don't do so blindly. Yeah. We talk about how you can reach out to college representatives to get some advice. Let mm -hmm. them help you make that selection. And then you can be more confident moving forward with the selection because you've you followed the recommendation of the, the institution. Absolutely. And Peter, my last question is one that I think a lot of parents and guardians have. How do you compare courses that are international baccalaureate versus advanced placement or AP or honors? Great question. And can we expand that to how do we compare it to even schools that don't offer any special designation? That's what I was going to say. There mm -hmm. are some schools that that don't have don't offer the designation of honors or AP or IB. And, and First of all, what moms and dads, you need to understand is colleges 
do a lot of very careful research into the learning environments that your students come from. In other words, before mm -hmm. they look at the student, they must know the school the student comes from. Mm -hmm. So please, please be reassured by that. But more fundamentally, your question had to do with how do colleges distinguish between maybe higher level programs. A lot depends on how a high school is defining the curriculum and, and content development in that particular discipline, even if it doesn't have a designation. So there can be some science or math classes, for example, without the honors or AP designation that are still taught at the same level as an AP class. Oh, and then kids actually will come out of those classes and take an AP exam and do well. So interesting. And that's part of what the information is that the high school provides to the college, reassuring them about the rigor of the program. Mm -hmm. Now, the, the, the common question that you mentioned, the International Baccalaureate or Advanced Placement, common question I get there is, again, some high schools in this country offer the International Baccalaureate program, which is a two-year college prep program for students in the junior and senior year. Very rigorous. Students who take the full International Baccalaureate program and do it well will often get a full year of credit for their work. Yeah which is pretty cool. It's not easy, not for the faint of heart. Okay. No, I did it. <laughs> and congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Out of which we speak. And one of my children did, my grandson did, but my experience is that the IB and the AP are, are both programs of high rigor. Mm -hmm. They're characterized somewhat differently. And, and this is perhaps not fair to either of them, but my personal characterization is that the AP is a curriculum that's developed to prepare students to test well on certain proficiencies within the discipline. Mm -hmm. The IB is a curriculum that's designed to teach you how to think mm -hmm. and to test well on yep. the proficiencies within the, within the discipline. So in many ways, the IB curriculum mirrors the college experience more closely than the AP. Yes. But at the end of the day, if your student's making the choice between the two, choose according to learning style because as you know from your experience with the ib there's going to be more accountability for work and and for a, a breadth of work not just completing assignments but theory of knowledge is a good example of, of, of how you apply what you learn writing a, an essential essay like it feels like a, a doctoral thesis you know yep <laughs> be taken to another level of understanding of your discipline in, in the the ib than you will be in the ap and, and somewhat interestingly now that the IB is taken hold in a big way in this country, the advanced placement curriculum is starting to mirror or copy some elements of the IB. Interesting. Uh, I think, and yeah, an interesting uh, reflection on, on on how the two set up. Yeah, it's definitely a personal decision. You brought up a great point, which is if your student's high school does not offer IB or AP, the college will know that. There are documents that the high school needs to submit to the college, like you said, so they will know that. They won't see your students' classes and think they didn't take one AP class. Mm -hmm. They know if it's not offered. And if it's not, based on your advice, Peter, it sounds like if there's honors classes, you can take those. And if not, you can take the class that's the next progression level so that you show that you're moving upward. Exactly. Please remember this, and this is a concern a lot of parents have. Students will not be accountable for things that they cannot do within their school. In mm -hmm. other words, if your school does not offer an advanced placement program, that's not your student's fault. Right. Your student needs to do the best that she can with what is available to her. Absolutely. Peter, this is great. And I really think it gives a very well-rounded view of course selections and 
how parents or guardians can support their students in this process. Well, good. I, I think that this is an essential part of the admission process. And, and what we're talking about now is building that foundation so that an admission officer can proceed with confidence that the student is going to be a viable candidate academically. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Peter, for all of your advice. You're quite welcome. Listeners, keep an eye out for our next episode in our Family Bootcamp miniseries. We'll be talking about to test or not to test and what you need to know to help your student in picking and preparing for the SAT or ACT. 